2: Welcome to the It's Almost the All Star Break edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Socks, duty gizzard. <laughs> gizzard. Duty well, that's true. Uh, Lee Allen the, the, proves I'm a geezer right there. <laughs> With me, my son, and usually West Coast correspondent, but for the next mm-hmm. uh, six weeks or so, as he's in uh, Chicago for uh, rehearsals of, and opening of his new play, uh, Will, uh, and we he's Right over there. Right right back there. <laughs> I'm the over there correspondent now. We are recording on a Thursday morning after the Cleveland series before the uh, Minnesota series, which is the final one before the All-Star break. And the White Sox presumably somewhere around Minneapolis at the moment. Uh, and I, I need to say that this strategy that the Sox have employed uh, for the last 4 Series. Uh, Losing the first two games and then winning the rest, be it one game or two, doesn't appear to be a really viable strategy.
0: Disagree. Incredible strategy if you're trying to end the season 500 and disappoint all of your fans who think this is your World Series window. Really flawless strategy if that's what you're going for. Uh, Yeah, I mean, come on. What? What is there left to say about all this? Maybe Tony's goal is to end his career as an exactly 500 manager. And so he is going to stay for the next few years just to really destroy to bring his legacy. entire
2: career down. He's got, he's got to lose about like 80 games in a row or something, doesn't he, to get in there? he's got Not to Not as a- possible.
0: No, especially with the decision he makes. You know, if you're going to walk a guy on an 0-1 count, you can get the 80-game losing streak going.
2: You really could. Um, if, but, if, you, if you had noted, and I and I then looked, the looks on the faces of Jose Ramirez and, and um, Rosario on, on that second base, the shock that happens. Ah!
0: <laughs> I mean, we – Fortunately, it, it felt kind of like a, a sequel to the first time we got to see these reactions, which was the Trey Turner one and two walk um, in which he also had no clue what the heck was going on. Yeah,
2: and it, you know, something has occurred to me on those because I'm just I'm two years younger than Tony, so not an ageism thing, but things come to you slowly sometimes you're, you're searching for a word If you're a writer you're writing you're searching for a word you're searching for a name you're searching for a street name they say with dementia that if it's slow coming to you it doesn't matter that don't worry about it that's just aging uh if it never comes to you then you have a problem but i what so what i think and, and fortunately i haven't gotten to that stage yet but many times search for somebody's name and then it's you know, two minutes later before it comes. I think that's the stage Tony's in. He didn't realize that Jose Ramirez was up. He looked at if, and said, boy, that's, I recognize that guy, but who is he? <laughs> and then finally it came to him and he did the intentional walk. I, I, I think it's perfectly understandable.
0: I think he uh, just doesn't actually bother learning anything about the other team, and and he you know, they he was like, Alright, let's go out there, let's get this guy. Then he fouled it back and all of a sudden Tony was like, Wow, this Jose Ramirez guy, while he looks like he may not be a professional athlete, he really fouled that ball back hard. We gotta get this guy on base. Uh this guy could be trouble. And then Tony would then take credit for discovering Jose Ramirez and and being the one who realized he's a great ball player. Uh I I truly am at a loss for what the heck happened uh, that would allow for that decision. I I mean, as much as you know I'm a comedy guy, I love the comedy of Rosario standing on second base looking to the middle infielders being like, wait, what's going on? And for Jose Ramirez, who is seemingly, by all means, one of the most delightful players in the game, uh, just sort of standing there staring and then just... Deciding, okay, <laughs> and then heading on down to first base. Uh, we are so far past the point in which Tony La Russa should not be managing this team anymore that it's almost hard to talk about because you know we saw yesterday uh, the Blue Jays fired Charlie Montoya. Uh, the Blue Jays there are four have- games over five hundred and in the wild card. <laughs> yep, they are they are disappointing, but not nearly at the level that we are. They also play in the AL East and are four teams, teams five hundred. Yeah. Apparently all real teams since Baltimore is better than the White Sox. Uh I just I I think it's just clear at this point Tony is here to stay no matter yeah.
1: what. You know, the, the
2: old the old saying is uh well when whenever anybody gets fired. Uh, of the managerial or head coaching situation is well, you can't fire the team, so you fire the manager, the coach. But in this case, you can't fire the manager because of the idiot owner, who incidentally probably doesn't remember the manager's name because he's a lot older than Tony or me. Um. So I mean, maybe at at the at the break at the the uh, deadline, we fire the team. I I. I don't – yeah. Anyhow, Cleveland series, or split them because uh, La Russa and Francona, I think, got together and said, well, let's split this doubleheader. You which you want to win afternoon or night? I'll take the other one. So we had uh, ace of the staff versus 27th man each way and each team won. Sox pulled off the win on uh, Wednesday thanks to their starting pitcher going out after an inning. We've had – and an emergency bullpen game, which means they had to throw a lefty, which is the only person the Sox scored on. Um, Sox pitching was great. Giolito, who has really been pretty bad lately, was terrific. The, the relievers were fine. Uh, Hendricks is unbelievable now, so we can just get to the ninth inning with a lead. It's 14 straight games now? Yeah. Uh, then he's unscored on. Um and, and he doesn't look like he's going to be scored on. No, nobody looks like. Oh, I I had him squared up, but it fell a little short of the wall. None of that is, is going on. Um, uh, but at at any rate, uh, I think the fourth one was was a lucky win. Uh, like that, and an incredible catch by Pollock in right field that uh, kept a double from Jose Ramirez uh, on a real nice dive, and uh, Sebby Zavala not saving anything, but the foul ball did. Kind of worried because he did that leap over the fence thing that sent Alloy uh, into surgery. Um, but um, at any rate, split, going to Minnesota. Cleveland team was totally in the doldrums. They were there to be taken. They weren't taken. Um, Minnesota's just kind of meh lately. They're having pitching problems. Uh, I looked at uh, 538. They're still the favorites every game, but just very slightly because 538 puts a big emphasis on being at home whereas the Sox are actually better on the road this year. Uh, at any rate, uh, that is uh, the situation. Two under 500 were games from the All-Star break. Uh, you mentioned Aloy. Aloy went out theoretically injured. Uh,
0: Do we have an update on, on Aloy at all? Or I,
2: I didn't see anything. It's just his leg stories day-to-day. It just listed okay. day-to-day. Um, That's a bad sign. That's a bad the sign. Fact, the fact is, you know, all that screaming, like oh, we're going to get a Loy back It's going to be, wait till we get there. We're missing one of our great power hitters. And, of course, he came out in his first game, second at bat. It's a massive home run. He gets another hit with an RBI. Since that time, he's three for 26. He, and, he, and I will say. Hitting in the 100s before that. And last year, even, before the most recent injuries, he had a 99 OPS plus. That's as close to average as you can possibly get. <laughs> and, of course, he's a terrible fielder. But Loy was never going to be the secret to turning the team around, despite the spirit. You've got to love the spirit of the guy. Absolutely, and he's nice to have on the team because of it. But as a really important cog to your offense, probably not going to be that.
0: Well, he certainly could have been that. I mean, Eloy, while it's been a couple of years, uh, has shown us that he can hit very well at the major league level. However, outside of that home run, my goodness. And if you want to see, you know, if you Google a person who is lost, you will see all of Eloy's bat- at bats against Shane Bieber because he was up there just swinging at stuff nowhere near the zone. I mean, Eloy seems pretty lost at the plate which I, I think is the most surprising thing to me. Obviously, he's never going to be good in the field. You don't expect him to be good in the field. He already seems to have gotten hurt from one play in the field. But, casual,
2: fairly casual play.
0: As the Sox are known to do, that's when they tend to get hurt. Whenever I see a guy on the White Sox doing making a casual play, I hold my breath because they're going down. Uh I still have hope that his bat's going to get going, but if it doesn't,
2: what do you do? Do you think that we would be selling Aloy? No, you can't. One? No, no, he's not saleable because he's got it. Remember, Rick Hahn, the one thing Rick Hahn has proven to be good at, the only thing really has proven to be good at, is to sign young guys to extensions that theoretically save the team a lot of money in the long run and, and generally do. And provide the player really with money for life, he may lose out on a hundred million dollars that he could have had at some point, but he's getting fifty or sixty million. He really doesn't need that hundred million to get by yeah. uh,
0: and he's also i mean he's guaranteeing the sixty million yes, right he's away guaranteed.
2: he's guaranteed it so but the reverse of that is when you have somebody an alloy, perhaps who can't perform anymore due to injury. I mean, that's what, that's where the players really protected is against injury or just the league caught on and is beating him now. Then you're sunk because you can't do one of these trades where you send them to a somebody who's out of it uh, in exchange for a player that you need. They're not taking on a $15 million a year for three or four more years contract. That's not what they're there for. They're, they're there to get, the guy who's got four more years they they want i'm sure they one want andrew bond uh, there may be very well be a market for gamut Cheese. there may be a market for sebi zavala who incidentally is down below 300 now and coming back to, back to reality uh, he's one like for his last 13 or 14 um uh, which you didn't expect. It's not like you expect Seve to hit 350. It's that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but the but the league's figured out that he's changed his batting strategy, and so they're changing their pitching strategy. And he's, he's, he's I mean, it's fine. His his defense has improved immensely, and so he's got value. We've got there, the was, there was definitely a couple days there, though, where Sebi was hitting 350 and
0: you and I were both like, man, we might be able to get something good for Sebi, <laughs> which was, of
2: course, just us dreaming that problem, anything positive could with,
0: come out of this.
2: I, I think you get offers for Sebby, but the problem is if you trade Sebby, you're then left with your two catchers being McGuire, who's fine and excellent defensively, and Grandal. He was hitting about 120, but you live with that. But Grandal is hurt so often that you're probably left for most of the rest of the season. When Grandal goes down again, I think he's due back near the end of July. He'll be gone by the middle of August uh, with one catcher. And then you're reaching into kind of the depths of your minor leagues, which are still rated, I think, 29th in the latest. Uh, I believe they came out. There was there was one, Van came out with their... With their uh, with their ratings this week just a couple days ago, and had the white sox at twenty ninth um, and,
0: and rightfully so i mean it's it's depleted down there it's yeah. absolutely depleted and so, speaking of uh, catchers that no longer can come up for the white sox, you're mean uh, making statements in San Francisco uh just another example of you know a a, a murder that the blood is on the hands of Tony Larusa. Uh, the mean downfall after the 3-0 home run, which then uh, led to essentially him heading back to the minors and then us getting rid of him. And now he's in San Francisco hitting
2: home runs. With well, he gets, run. And he gets a play with Carlos Rodon, who has the highest war of any pitcher in the National League and thankfully got picked for the All-Star game as a, as a replacement. Why he wasn't in there at the start, I do not know. And we need to put in the obligatory. Dylan Cease should be in the All Star game. Uh, Absolutely should. No idea why not. Uh, But he's not. Well, we'll we'll take
0: our break here, but I want to come back and actually talk about that a little bit. Um, Because yes, Dylan Cease is great, but I still have a big problem with him, (laughs) and I don't know if it would have factored in. But um, uh, we're we're at around the halfway point, so let's take our break, and we will be right back on sharing socks. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We were uh, just giving Carlos Rodon a, a little bit of love for getting in that all-star game. Rodon has been incredible. It's obviously, uh, we, we made a huge mistake not even giving that guy the qualifying offer, whether
2: he would have taken it or not. It would have been a good idea. You know, to, there uh, there were a whole lot of, of commenters on our site and others back at the time. It was very split. Why didn't you do that? You'd at least get a, you know, the traffic. Uh and others are going, Well, they didn't offer it because they were afraid he'd take it. And if he took it, he'd be washed up by, by May and be over. Well, folks, you were wrong. He may Ross, be washed Ross. up in September. I don't know. that he's cruising right along. He had a bad period of a game or two. You're going, Oh, maybe he's hurt again. But no, I mean he's the other day. He got the bases loaded against him from San Diego. Bases loaded in the first inning. You go, oh boy, Rodon's going to have a bad one here. He ended up complete game three hitter.
0: <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. And and that kind of brings me back to Dylan Cease, our our All Star snub, if you will. I mean, first off, snubbing All Stars is questionable to begin with, because, you know, the guys who got in, pretty darn good. Uh For me, though, if we're talking about Rodon and Cease, and obviously they wouldn't be on the same All-Star team, but the reason Rodon is a clear cut should be in for me, and Cease not necessarily, you're talking about this Rodon game. Goes out there, has a bad first inning, throws a complete game against a good team. Dylan Cease, I don't think... We're going to see this guy throw nine innings in a game in his career. He is absolutely abysmal when it comes to pitch counts. Uh, And was again on on Tuesday. Absolutely. People say, oh, amazing outing from Dylan Cease. Well, if he had been head-to-head with Bieber, then the, the, the Guardians win that game. Because Bieber can throw deep into a game. Dylan Cease cannot. He has shown us time and time again he cannot go deep into a game. And I don't know if they're looking at innings pitched, uh, when they're making any of these all-star decisions, but the guy certainly has to be on the low, low end of the innings pitch for someone who has started as many times as he has. The guy doesn't make it through the sixth. I, I mean, yes, it's great. He strikes out people, but is is he ever going to achieve true greatness if he can't get further into a game than five and a third or five or four and two thirds? You know, this is this is kind of my, my argument with, with Cease. It's also been my argument with Giolito who actually came out Ooh, and gave brilliant. us a, a really good game. I mean, the, the best thing to come out of that whole Cleveland series has to be that Giolito threw very, very well for and
1: multiple very times through the lineup. We,
2: yeah, we've we we talked talked over and over. The White Sox, the least efficient pitching staff, especially starting pitching staff in baseball last year, and headed that way this year with Giolito, minimum number of pitches against a team known for making pitchers work. Now, I grant you, Cleveland has been in a huge slump lately. So splitting with them was not really very good considering, I mean, they got swept by Detroit for four games. Um, but still, still, they're, they have good hitters on that team, and they were unable to work him deep. He heppered the strike zone.
0: That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it's all about. And you saw it from Shane Bieber, who threw maybe four balls in that entire game. You know, it's okay to throw balls in the strike zone, as long as you have command of that pitch, as long as it's going to the part of the strike zone that it should go to, to lower the percentage of likelihood that they're going to make solid hard contact. The White Sox all season have been playing on this theory of let's throw three pitches to every batter nowhere near the strike zone so that we have to fight back every time, and now every guy's fouling off two pitches for seeing eight pitches per at-bat for a lot of guys. It's just absolutely inefficient, terrible pitching. I mean, we saw it from Lance Lynn as well in this series. Now, Lance Lynn is sort of a different scenario because he just has not gotten his groove back at all. Um, but when it comes to Cease, why is this guy not able to go further into a game? Why can't he do that? That it, It's ridiculous for a major league starter... So you know when Dylan Cease is taking the mound that your bullpen's throwing three innings at least. And that is not a good place for a starter. That's why it's so great to see Giolito come out and do what he did. Uh, Our bullpen is not particularly strong right now, with the exception of uh, an Australian guy who tends to throw late in the game. Cease is very valuable, but he is also not as valuable as he should be. And, and it's possible that that's what we were looking at when we were looking at who should get into this all-star game and who shouldn't. Who is, who is actually helping their team the most? And in my opinion, Cease is not as valuable as a lot of the pitchers that got in that game. If you look at the stats, yes. Strikeouts, he strikes out a ton of guys. He strikes out a ton of guys. He's a very, very good pitcher. Cease, who you know I have supported through thick and thin on this podcast. Even when I was
2: doubting, yes.
0: Yes, I I have been a, a staunch C supporter. I have to see him become more, more efficient if I'm ever going to say that he's a great pitcher. And he has the ability to be a great pitcher. He just doesn't have the command. He doesn't have the discipline on the mound yet. I was thrilled to see some of that from Giolito, someone who, when he was really hot, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, that is exactly what we saw from him. We saw pitches that were painting the corners constantly. He was, he would paint the corner with that fastball and then the changeup would come out of his hand looking exactly the same and hit a different corner. I mean, that was when he was really, really on fire. And, and fortunately we started seeing a lot of that yesterday and, and, If Giolito can head that direction, head back to that that style of pitching again, then he is, once again, extremely valuable. No one's as valuable as Johnny Cueto, our indisputable ace. He'll
2: be Uh, pitching uh, the first game against Minnesota, I believe.
0: Yes, so now that I've said that, he's going to go four innings and give up 27 (laughs) runs. Just kidding, Johnny. I still fully believe you're going to have a good game. Uh, But I think that's what keeps Dylan Cease out of the All-Star game. Innings. The dude is a starter, throws a lot of strikeouts, does not throw many innings. He really doesn't. There was a point earlier in the year where he wouldn't even have qualified for many starter awards, despite having made the same number of starts as a lot of these other guys. He just doesn't go deep enough into games.
2: Uh, we should talk we're talking about guys we did a quick talk about two guys who are on the downhill on, on hitting you in, Lloyd in and uh, SETI. Gotta talk about Jose. I mean, he's on fire. His average is up to two ninety nine. I mean, what was he hitting the first month of the season? Like one fifty? He's just yeah. tearing it up. Seven of his last twelve games, he's had two hits.
0: I mean, this we kind of see this from Jose a lot. Um Jose definitely plays better once it warms up, once he gets going. I mean, if Jose's gonna hit two ninety nine give him give him another contract here give him two more years on a contract because I'd be happy if Jose is hitting 260 270 if he's going to go out there hit 299 and lead the team in home runs which is a depressingly small number of home runs you need to lead this team in home runs at this point but i mean kudos to Jose the, the guy it feels like as soon as the fan base starts to wonder should we keep Jose or not he, he heats up. What I'm not seeing from him, though, is the energy and the fire behind playing. And and I'm going to point out a specific moment. So they won that game last night, 2-1. to one. Very close game, obviously. Hendricks on the mound at the end. Gets it done. Hendricks fired up at the end. Guys start high-fiving. Jose's got his—he's just sort of walking over. He's not smiling. He's not jumping up and down. He's not, you know, rushing over to get to his guys. He's just got his hat kind of on sideways, and he's just walking to the center. That to me was the Chicago White Sox in 2022.
2: Well, and it, that goes to the to the Bob Nightingale column, which I guess we haven't. We should have mentioned because it was it was this week. Well, you have to, you about, have
0: to talk about the clicks,
2: yes. Talking about being clicks in, in, the, in the clubhouse and no team leadership and so forth and so on. With Nightingale, you never know, A, whether anything's accurate. But he says he's getting it from players on other teams that the White Sox players talk to. And they're very unhappy team. Uh, I think that's true. But Nightingale's main source with the White Sox has always been Jerry Reinstorfer. Terry Reinsdorf says, write this for me, Bob. I mean, that's why Nightingale broke about the LaRuza hiring. Reinsdorf told him instead of his own general manager. Uh, so, is that something Reinsdorf's feeding in order to protect his boy, Tony? So it doesn't look like it's LaRuza who's the total incompetent. It's these terrible players he's stuck with who can't get along. I think it's very possible. I mean, Reinsdorf is a nasty little man and he's a very arrogant nasty little man and Larusa's an arrogant nasty little man and they team up very well together and what they would do to I mean Han and Williams I think are just you know they're there empty suits in between uh I don't think either one cares about the players other than to make them look good. uh I mean it's crazy and, you know, you're I, talking I, about the 500 if uh, they keep up. Dakota now has the Sox winning 82 games. And Fangraphs has them winning 79, I think. And 538 has them winning 84. So everybody thinks they're about a 500 team. Dakota's got them at 26% chance to take the division. 538's got 32. And remember, these are computers. This isn't humans making evaluations. It's computer runs, thousands of them. And the computers know that the White Sox have the easiest schedule in baseball for the rest of the year. That That's that's programmed in. Uh, so the chances now, uh, 538 says almost half a chance to make the playoffs, because also 17% uh, uh, chance of the wild card. Uh, whereas Makota has just over a third of a chance of making the playoffs. Or there are several, was it four games, three and a half games, I think out of the wild card right now.
0: Uh, well, I will say there is, there is one, a move, bunch of teams. one move and one move alone that can reverse course on this team. We know what it is. I'm really bummed to say I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't either. It's, it you know, it should have happened every day. Whether Reinstorf leaked that stuff to Nightingale or not, or if he actually did talk to players... There is some involvement from the uh, from the organization and Nightingale making these claims about leadership in the clubhouse to steer it away from Tony. There's no doubt in my mind. It's insane to blame the players for what is going on at this point. Larusa is a vacuum for energy. He's a vacuum for spirit. He's a vacuum for individuality. He is the absolute worst possible manager for this group of guys out there. I would, I'd pick up, you know, the angels got rid of Joe Madden because of the losing streak. Joe Madden's a much better manager right now than Tony Lewis is. I'm not saying we should go get Joe Madden. I'm not saying we should go get Charlie Montoya. Both are far superior managers at this point in time of their lives.
2: And I I think Madden, and I don't mean Madden necessarily personally, but the weakness of Madden has been historically that he's too much for the guys. I mean, he's he's not a control freak, I guess. And and and, but that's what the White Sox need is not a control freak. Uh, they need a Madden-ish, high spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankly, Ozzy. Um, I mean, Ozzy. I know Ozzy uh, burned all his bridges, and, and deservedly so the way he behaved around 2012, 11, 12. I think Ozzy
0: would probably be a disaster at this point as well, uh, just because I think Ozzy's uh, just enjoying the next phase of his life and, and we should let him enjoy it. But someone with the spirit like yeah, Ozzy that's what
2: it's, is, it's it's is exactly like advantage.
0: Yeah, this is a group of guys who play best when they are riled up, when they are... Making baseball into a party a lot more than a job, and right now these guys look like they're clocking in at Taco Bell, and and that's no shade on Taco Bell. Everyone likes Taco Bell, we know this. I don't uh, like the cheese, but, but these guys these guys just look like they are are punching that ticket, doing their job, and then heading home. and And a Braves face after the game last night said that more than anything. I mean, not to reminisce too much, but, you know, in 2021, 2020, when we would have these good moments, these guys were amped. And I'm not even talking about, like, walk-off home runs. I'm talking about singles at big moments. These guys are amped.
2: Now they get on base, they do their – Yeah, somebody commented that that, that I saw that that even the little – Hand signals so just look like automatic now. It's not big spirited blah, 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 or whatever, whatever yeah, that guy's particular signal is. Not right? even
0: not even looking at the dugout necessarily, just like absolutely phoning it in. And and yes, you can blame players for that. They're getting paid millions of dollars. They are going out there and they're still trying to do the job, which just tells me that the attitude and the spirit behind the team is not their fault that comes from the top. It comes all the way from the top, from Reinsdorf. It comes from your non-existent Williams and Hahn, who seem to have just,
2: I, I don't even know where they are. They they might be on a Apparently beach somewhere Apparently Williams talked talk to the team, but who knows why. They probably don't even know who he is. I mean, he's been such a non-entity, at least visibly, for so long.
0: Yeah, and then it gets down to Tony, who, if there was any sort of joy that could be coming from those people, which there probably wasn't, it certainly gets squashed at Tony. And, you know, Ozzy was, was talking about Tony's interviews after the game. When someone asks him a question, Tony just goes, "Mm -hmm, next question. And I'm like, this is a guy who doesn't want his job. This is a guy who doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to make this team better. Doesn't like his players. Doesn't care about his players. We have a lot of guys who are in their prime. We, we have guys who are in their absolute prime in terms of how they should be playing this game. But they have a manager who falls who's fallen asleep at the wheel. And if we do not fire Tony, this season is lost. And, and there's just no other way to say it. I can't imagine any of the apologists for Tony have any good arguments whatsoever at this point. We were right I'm going to say it right here and now. We were right about La Russa. We have been right about La Russa. Everyone who called out this terrible hire has been right about La Russa. And guess what? We're not going to be wrong about him. We have won this argument. Fire the guy or this team is done. And if this team can't win this year, you might as well start the whole thing over again. Because this is our window. This is it. This is our 2015-2016 that the Cubs got to have. And what are we doing? We're sitting here looking at, at, at phony articles about clicks on the team and, 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 you know, guys not doing their hand signals well enough because we have a manager who is absolutely sucking the life of out of this team and out of the fan base. If they do not fire Tony by the All Star break, I think that Chicago White Sox fans should stop going to games, stop putting money in Ryan, Reinsdorf's pocket, because we should not be showing up to support I, I these decisions. I think that
2: that would be the only thing, the only thing that would <clears throat> excuse me get any action done. Would be if suddenly there was it looked like 2020 at the ballpark. Um, yeah. And and honestly, <laughs> at this rate it should. It it should look like that. You you
0: go and you just watch a bunch of bonehead baseball with a manager who actively makes decisions to lose games. Why should we show up? Why why? And and I get it, support the players. Well, support them on the road. Don't support them at home. Go go to games in other towns if you can because money is the only thing that talks to these losers. And when I say losers, I mean the upper management. I don't mean the players. Money is the only thing that talks to these losers. And if we don't start taking stuff out of their pockets, then Tony's going to keep this job. And we're and guess what? We're going to have him next year, too, Yay! if that's the case. Which, you know, it, if we even – we're not going to make the playoffs if we keep Tony this year. But, you know, if for some reason we did, I don't think I can even give a crap about this team next year if Tony's still there. I think I'm gonna have to, you know, go on social media and put my fanship up for auction. And you know that pains me to say. We get on here every week because we love the White Sox. We love the White Sox. We love these players. I still fully believe in these players. These players, I mean what what can you do? What can you do? If your boss sucks, your boss sucks, it, it trickles all the way down to the to the people working at the, the cash register. And it's a bummer, but that's about all the time we have for this week. I hate to end it on a bad note, but
2: <laughs> I well, don't know what other kind of notes. When, when you get to Larusa, that's the only note there is.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, the guy's sucking the life out of a, a casual Thursday morning podcast. We don't even know this guy, and he's in here sucking the life out of the two of us. And, you know, we're pretty fun guys, I think. We, we, we have pretty good spirit. And now, now, as soon as that guy's name gets, gets in our mouths, you can feel the energy get sucked out of us. But, uh, our hand signals, uh, were, were, we're, even just, our, our hand signals today have just been so sloppy. I, I noticed when you got up to make your tea, I looked over and I was like making tea and you had your tea bag and you were just like <laughs> slowly, gently. No, I'm, I'm, I'm making that up, but, uh, yes. We will see you all next week. We're going to hang in there, at least to the All-Star break. Uh, incidentally, we didn't mention this, but we did get to witness uh, a White Sox game last week, and we, we were there for the ending of the best errorless streak in uh, in position player MLB history uh, when Grossman dropped that <laughs> routine fly ball to give us and, a win. And
2: that's, you know, the Sox victories have not been dramatic. Victories in the sense of wow, look at how good we are. I mean, that was it was handed to him. Yes. Handed to awesome. him by a guy who's never in four hundred and forty consecutive games hasn't handed it.
0: <laughs> most most of our wins of recent have not been, wow, look how great the White Sox are. It's been watching two teams say, I bet I can blow it worse than you. Uh, yeah, Cleveland, and, Cleveland and did get
2: bad base running during this series, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's Yeah, it's it looked a lot good. like
0: us. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll stop stalling. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.